Just go for it. Just go for it. All right, I'll. And it's, it's pretty, pretty funny watching you try right now. Cheetos dipped in milk. Wait, 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 wait. Sorry, Cheeto hands. Yo, yo, I'm Robert Griffin III, and welcome to RG3 and the Ones, a Wave Sports and Entertainment original presented by Prize Picks. On this show, we're going to talk to the Ones. I'm talking about the Ones at the top of the industry in sports and entertainment who don't just know the game, but also study it and come here to give you those gems so you can take one thing from this show and apply it to your own life so you can become the one in that bad boy as well. I'm just the one that thinks that Russell Wilson should be signed by the Patriots once he leaves the Denver Broncos. Why? He's a veteran. He's won a Super Bowl before. He's been through it all. They're definitely going to draft a quarterback. So you might as well have that guy sit for a year behind a Hall of Famer. That's right. Hall of Famer. Like Russell Wilson, learn for a year in that Patrick Mahomes type style that he had with Alex Smith and then take over in year two. But before we dive deeper into the football, I'm going to need you guys to hit that subscribe button. Make sure you follow us at RG3 and the ones on social media because we're going to have new clips dropping every single day and new episodes dropping every single Thursday. And oh, yeah, you can also get us and listen to us wherever you get all your podcasts. But coming up on this episode, I'm talking to the one who shut down all his non-believers in his NFL debut. I mean, the guy that might eat a couple weird things here and there, but he is certainly a heartthrob for the ladies, too. I'm talking about the franchise quarterback. That's right. I said it. Franchise quarterback for the Tennessee Titans, Mr. Will Levis. Welcome to the show, brother. Thank you so much for having me, Rob. It's uh, <laughs> definitely a fun season. Looking forward to talking about that and, uh, and a whole bunch more. Nah, man. Uh, I appreciate you coming on the show. And when you look at this this year, right, your Tennessee Titans quarterback, you throw for 1,800 yards, uh, eight touchdowns. You're the third rookie quarterback in franchise history to be able to start at least nine games. So when you look at all that from a football perspective, like what made you go from, you know, just skipping oat milk and almond milk to right to mayo in your coffee? <laughs> you kind of took me on a tangent there, but it didn't, uh, didn't necessarily stem from anything that happened on the field. It was more so my, my personality and kind of, uh, you know, at the end of the day, what I thought was funny. And <laughs> it's, it's pretty, pretty funny watching you try right now, but. Um, I'm trying it. I'm never, trying it. Just like you. I mean, I'm, I've never been someone that takes myself too seriously. And uh, I like to have a little fun. And, uh, you know, it's something that definitely some people got a kick out of. And that has uh, sparked a lot of conversations since then. No, nah, no, nah, it's definitely sparked a lot of conversations. And I know that there's the mayo and the coffee, which is something that you've admittedly said is not something you do really a lot or all the time. Uh, there's obviously the banana and how you eat the banana. So I wanted to try these out with you. Uh, like, mm. do you just like bite it off the top or there's, what do you, what's, there's the, no what's wrong the strategy? Way to do it. As you know, Robert, there's no, um, you know, easy way to eat a banana. So uh, you gotta, <laughs> just gotta go that. for it and hope that people aren't going to judge. And um, yeah, so just, just go for it. Just go for it. All right, I'll... I just went for it. Okay. I'm going to try continue eating this and talk to me a little bit about, this uh, lifetime membership or lifetime supply of Hellman's mayo that you that you have as a part of this uh, thing you do with the drinking the mayo and the coffee. I think Super Bowl a couple of years back, they sent me like some PR package um, with this huge like panini press and like a fridge with all the ingredients, to, like make some stuff. And I was like, dang, like <laughs> okay, I, I didn't even okay. have to deal with these guys at this point. And I was like, I mean, they definitely know who I am. Like this, there's there's something here. Like I should look into this. You know, I'm a, I'm a believer and I'm a user of the brand. 
and it, it, we wanted to do something interesting. And it turned into pretty much a lifetime hookup for, for Mayo and any other Hellman's product, uh, you know, that I want for the rest of my life. So pretty, pretty cool. No, nah, I mean, no, nah, it's uh, that's incredible. I'm going to try one more bite of this banana. OK. And as, as we go through that, uh, just in, in true form for you. Right. We want to have a good time. We want to we're going to talk football. But for you, when it comes to condiments, right, because I feel mm. like that's what this kind of revolves around. What what is your top five condiments that you put on top of your foods that the Ooh. people just don't know about? So I, I have a there's a funny one I, I like to bring up. I don't really remember what my go to answers were, but it's like if each of your fingers could dispense one condiment, like what would you have them do? And there's thought between like which condiment you want on each finger too, because like you know there's differences in the taste and the texture, all that. But that's I'm, true. I mean, it's true. Mayo, yeah. mayo is definitely one of them. Um, I'm gonna. This is a this is out there. It's a sauce, but I love sushi, so I got to put soy sauce up there. Um, really? And then I'll put okay. hot sauce next. I'm, I'm a Frank's guy, so hot okay. sauce. I like um, it. Then I'd probably go ranch. I know it's basic. I do like ranch with too much of my things, though. Um, I'm a pizza snob, but if pizza's not good enough, I need to throw some ranch on it to to get through it. So, um, along with everything else. But fifth one, I round it out with. I'm not going to say ketchup. Um, <laughs> why, why not? Why not ketchup? I mean, I I only like it with French fries. I can't really think of anything else that I'd eat it with. Okay, um, okay, I can understand that. Then. Uh, I'll throw it in there. It's too it's too too much of an all American pick to not. To it's not a have. basic. Yeah. It's a basic sauce, right? It's a yeah. it's a basic con- condiment. So my sure. five would probably be barbecue sauce. I put sweet baby rays and other barbecue mm. sauces on just about everything. Mm. Uh, Thousand Island dressing. Mm. You know, I think that's a big one in the. Uh, African-American community. Big, I know you big, know, uh, I know burger sauce, uh, condiment Ooh, too. You know, make like a Big go, Mac sauce or something with that. That's a, that's a key ingredient in it. Come on now. That is very <laughs> true. All right. So the barbecue sauce, thousand islands. Um, I'm going to have to go with ketchup cause I feel like ketchup is the base sauce for a lot of different things. Um, I'm going to say, I don't like blue cheese. Blue cheese is really bad. I'm just not a blue like, cheese a fan, blue unfortunately. Cheese I like blue cheese and ranch, but I, I do like really? blue cheese with my wings. Yep. Okay, okay. Uh, I'd have to say uh, mustard is an underrated sauce. What kind of mustard? Okay, are you I, Yellow or like spicy or Dijon or like... We, we're talking about that, that spicy. That spicy, yeah, spicy. mustard. Okay. Spicy brown mustard Family. is good. There you go. Family's from New Orleans. We like a little bit of spicy stuff here and there. And then my last one would probably be salt. And most people don't think that that's a condiment, but like if you put salt on just about anything, it makes it taste better. So I mean, yeah, if uh, I could chose, if I could have chose that. <laughs> so that's more, that's in, a mineral in, topping, I'd say. There you go. In true condiment fashion and true weird eatery fashion, the thing that I do that I don't think a lot of people do is is these bad boys right here, Cheetos. Uh-huh. And uh, I just want to show you. You should try this. This is it's a, it's amazing. Cheetos dipped in milk. Ooh, okay. Wait, wait, mm. wait, wait. Listen, they don't call me. Wait. They don't call me the milkman for no reason. Wait. Okay. Wait. Cheetos. Wait. wait. And milk. Wait. 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 This can't be overlooked. Like this can't be something that's like, you know, that's pretty. That's pretty interesting. That's out there. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. Um, yeah. You know, knock you. For have it, you ever? But... Have you ever seen that before? Uh can't say I have. Is this? Is this about the consistency or the uh, texture? You mean? Is it? Does it like? Is it like it, it spawned? It spawned from cookies and milk. Okay, okay. cookies and milk. I'm Skip a Cheeto from guy. Chocolate, I like, right? Uh, the cheese. All right. <laughs> 
See, now, now, well, you're not the weirdest guy in the, in the country anymore when it comes to the things that you eat. I, wow. I just wanted to join in that and, and partake hey. in it with you. All right. I, I, I respect it. You should definitely try it. I'm going to, when I come work out with you this off season, we're going to try some of these things together. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. So let's talk, let's talk football. You were a projected first round pick, like surefire top five pick coming into the draft during the whole crazy off season portion of it all. Um, just talk to me a little bit about that experience at the draft. I was there with you and your family. I saw it all unfold, but talk about that experience being there on draft day and how that like gave you fuel to your fire to go out and prove your, your doubters wrong this year. Yeah. I mean, first thing to kind of put things into perspective, if you would have told me when I was a kid that I'd have been a second round draft pick, let alone just drafted in general, I would have been pretty excited. Right, right. And, but it was crazy how like all the expectations got thrown on me like before the year and the projections come out even before I played my last year in college about where I'm supposed to go in the yeah. draft. You know, our season didn't go the best. Um, we got through it and I still, you know, believed in myself, but people started to, you know, have those doubts about me. And I was still supposed to be in that, you know, first half, that first round range when the draft came. And from all the information that we'd pulled, like that's the direction that, you know, we thought things were going. So right. I, I was, I was always, you know, hoping that it wasn't going to have to go anywhere else, but um, it, you can, you can never prepare yourself for those moments. Like it was just like, you know, nothing is going right. Like the whole world's coming down on you and you're just supposed to kind of sit there and, and take it. And uh, I was proud of, you know, how my family and I you know handled the whole situation, but it definitely sucked. I mean, at the end of the day, like you're, you're out there for one as a source of entertainment for however many people are watching that. And then two, like, um, you know, you're slowly slipping away from the goals you had, like going into this whole thing. So, uh, I mean, it, all the, the, you know, tension and all the emotions that, that flared up from that were wiped away right away when I was picked um, with Tennessee. Uh, but it was kind of a crazy whirlwind of a process. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm there for, for anybody this year in the, in the draft room who's going to be waiting a long time. I'm, I'm right there with you. There's not many people that know that exact feeling. So I'm definitely yeah. going to be someone, I think, hopefully that they'll point to in years to come that someone that had the, had an experience like that, like the Aaron Rodgers of the world. Exactly. That was, that was going to be my next point was that the, most of the guys that we've seen experience that have come back and, and, and kind of paid back all the teams that, that passed them up. So I want to continue to talk about that moment though, because the juxtaposition from the draft day on the first, in the first round, and then the emotions when you did get picked by the Tennessee Titans, like describe that. What was behind those tears in that moment of you getting drafted and being excited? I, uh, I mean, I tend to definitely be an emotional person, I think. But <laughs> I, I, at the same time, I like to kind of keep those side of things, like the happy tears, I feel like, to myself. But it, it was, like, right. cool for me to have that moment because I feel like I hadn't had a moment of, like, happiness and, like, happy right. tears, like, with the ones I love around me for, for a long time. So it, it, those are special moments for me and my family. and. It, it really just wiped away all the pain and all the uncertainty uh, that followed uh, the previous day. And it confirmed all the hard work that I you know, put into to all of it. So just a crazy wave of emotions that anyone who gets drafted at any position, they know it's just one of those things that brings you and your family together into a milestone that, you know, will never be forgotten. Yeah, I'm sitting here and I'm watching the, the, the video right now of, of you when you when you hear your name called and. Like you, you basically turned into the Incredible Hulk. You know what I'm saying? Like you're pacing back and forth. You're excited about it. What do you want to tell the Tennessee Titan fans or the Tennessee Titan organization about like what they're going to get from you 
not just from what you did this past year as a rookie, but moving forward? I just want to make them proud in the decision that they made. And that's the commitment that I made from the second that they did so that I was going to walk yep. in there every day. Like, you know, um, like I was going to better myself in this team and do whatever I could to, to prove them right in their decision in me. Um, and that's, and that's, that's what I owe them at the very least. Um, so I'm just con- continuing to, or I'm looking forward to continuing to competing for, for this city, um, you know, for this awesome team. Uh, we got opportunities to do exciting things this year and, um, you know, new coaching staff and kind of new, uh, new view on things and, and new offense. So, uh, challenges that we're looking forward to take on head on and, uh, I'm just excited for the future. Yeah, man. The future is certainly bright. And you brought something up uh, a couple minutes ago about the the guys that are going to be going through the draft this year. You know, the Caleb Williams is the Jaden Daniels, Drake Mays, JJ McCarthy's, Bo Nix, Michael Penix Jr. The names go on and on. What would your advice be to them as they go through this process with, with the combines and the pro days and the draft? What would your advice be to them and how to compartmentalize everything that's being thrown at them? Just do you, man. No, no, nothing that nobody says outside of, of you and the, the ones you hold closest to you. And it's on you to keep that you know, circle of the right people um, matters. And if, if you haven't realized that yet, which I'm sure a lot, of, a lot of them have already had that right mindset, just with obviously the biggest, as the spotlight gets bigger and bigger for college athletes. Um, but, you know, just do you, follow you, be true to you. Um, and, you know, let the naysayers like feed you and let, you, let them push you. Like all the things that they're saying about the different guys in the draft, whether it's Bo with, you know, how many years he was there and, and how, you know, old Michael Penix is like, there's like feed into that. Like good. Like those are things that people yeah, are going to doubt good. about you. Like, you go. Put it in your, put it in your arsenal. So um, I always like, you know, like to prove people wrong at the end of the day, even though I know that it's really me and my goals and my ambitions that I'm really striving to make and don't really care about anybody else. Exactly. So let's, let's talk about that. Talk about the transition going from college to the NFL, what do you feel is the biggest difference between the college game and the NFL game? I think it's just the amount of information that's required to um, be known at the quarterback position. And I was fortunately put in a position where I played in a couple offenses in college that prepared me more so yes, than did. did for for other people. I think, and even with that, I was like, "Dang, like this is a you know big step up." And uh, I had to you know grind to to get to the level that I needed to, and can't imagine how much I would have had to work even more if I didn't come from an offense like that. So have respect for everyone that, that didn't have that exposure, but that along, I mean, uh, with the speed and uh, it really starts up front. I think just the, the level of competition with those big boys up front is, uh, it makes you play the game differently first. Like you, you, you think you are some type of player in college and you know, I'm, I was never like the speedster that you were. Um, but you can think you get away with things that you really can't. You can run though. And, you, you, you were big sure. and strong. You know what I'm saying? Sure, yeah. yeah. Um, but you just see that even with guys that can, that can run four five, four six, like they're running out the back of the pocket. It's just not going to work sometimes. And it's just, it, it, so stuff you can just get away with that at the level in college, even in the sec where you just can't, uh, and, and you can't risk it at this level. That's true. Now you talked about the offenses that you were in before you came into the NFL. And I saw that not only your college tape when it was time to break you break down all your footage for the draft, but then in the NFL as well, you, you looked super comfortable under center play action pass, knowing how to read with your feet. Is that what you're speaking to when you say, Hey, you had a little bit of an advantage with maybe that type of stuff and the play calls. For sure. I mean, there are guys that haven't even taken a snap under center until they get to the you know senior bowl. So, um, 
yeah, I had an advantage there. I, I just ran similar concepts, used even similar verbiage at some times. So there were definitely some advantages there. Okay. So in your opinion, other than the draft, right, you get drafted, there's the, the flow of emotions that comes over you because all of your dreams have been realized, right? To get to the NFL, to be a professional football player, to be a quarterback, a franchise quarterback. Other than that, what was your biggest welcome to the NFL moment? Um, I would say just my first start running out on the field and my first start and, and oh, just getting, getting the nod like that week, like going into the bye week, knowing that I was going to play in my first game, like right. calling my family immediately after and telling, saying how we can't tell anybody, but how they can get all excited about it. And then getting them all there for the game and my, and my friends and just kind of how serendipitous it all was with how it all played out. So that, and then. My other welcome to the NFL moment was when Vita Vesh uh, pulled me to the ground with one arm and, and slammed me on third down. So uh, I'd never seen somebody move another human being that easily with less that less uh, or that little effort. Yeah, and you're a big dude too. You know what I mean? It's not like you're a small guy. You know, and you and you lift. I saw. I mean, what was your PR in uh, in uh, on power clean? Because I saw you hang clean like three fifteen, like it was nothing. Yeah, uh, three forty five. Oh my gosh. Okay, just throw that out there like it's nothing. They just he hand cleans three forty five. That was always my favorite lift. <laughs> but no, to 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 even dive deeper into that, I want you to tell the ones out there what's the difference between how you went to the line of scrimmage in college versus how you go to the line of scrimmage in the NFL and the process to even get to the snap. I don't I don't think a lot of them understand the the differences in just that alone. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a checklist that you have for yourself. And it's it, in the NFL, there's so much more going on in your head. So it's easy to kind of like forget about the smaller things and just focusing on just that one part of the defense that you're looking for to can the player, keep it the same. And that's when you can forget the cadence and you can forget right. this motion and that shift or, uh, you know, whatever was supposed to happen with the play. Um, right. But I think for me, it was in college, a lot of the times I could be like, all right, what's going on here? All right, snap and figure it out. And I definitely <laughs> like prepared and did a, did a good job in college, but I, I took it up to the next level in the NFL and, and you need to, and you can't have any sort of doubt when you get up to the line about what needs to be done or how the play needs to be operated. So I think just for me, like I just, I, I took my preparation up and, you know, started playing the game. Like it needs to be played like a pro because uh, that's what's required, what's required at the position at this level. Now I know one of the things, even in your NFL debut, like, did you, did you have to point out the mic in college? No, I mean, I just changed protection when needed. Um, okay. But I, I point out every single mic point for us this past year in our system. How, how, how was that difficult for you? Or was it an easy transition make, doing that in the NFL? Oh, it was tough. I mean, that's, that's what a lot of my, you know, post-practice meetings and in, in training camp and in rookie mini camp really were. We're just getting the mic points right. And because in all of our right. run games too, and learning all the different, you know, run schemes and, and why we're pointing certain guys and when it needs to be changed versus different fronts and yada, yada. Um, but you know, we ran the show, uh, it'll be a little different this year with our offense. There might be a little less, um, stuff on us on that side of things, but I okay. do look forward to, um, you know, as I get older and, and my leash get leash gets a little longer, you know, having a little right. more autonomy uh, with the offense. Cause I know that that's required with Callie and the offense that he wants to run here. 
RG3 in the ones is presented by Prize Picks. Now, Prize Picks is the most fun I've had making up to 25 times my money all year long. It's been a blast because it's always the season for making green. And this is so simple to use. It's so simple that even my dog could use it. All you have to do is select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats, and place your bet. Boom. Just like that. And now you're on the way to making some money. If you have the skills, and we know I have them, so you have to show that you have them as well, Prize Picks is the easiest and the most exciting way to turn game-changing moments into 100 times your money with as little as four correct picks. Four correct picks? You can turn $100 into $1,000. It's really simple to play. I can make my picks, submit my entry in less than 60 seconds. There's quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and a huge selection of player and stat types is what makes Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. And once again, this week, we play in basketball. I'll say the second line for a little bit later. But basketball is one of my favorite sports. So let's get into it. This week, I am going to pick my main man, Donovan Mitchell, to have more than 21 and a half points against the Mavericks. Prize Picks is offering an 18% discount. 18%. Y'all got to jump on this sale now. Dallas has questionable wing defense, and Mitchell is already averaging 28 points per game on the year. So go ahead and try to take this free money that they're trying to give you. And my next pick. I picked Jason Tatum, one of the future faces of the NBA, to have more than five and a half rebounds. Why? Five five and a half rebounds against Sixers should be a piece of cake because Tatum is already averaging 8.8 rebounds a game in his last five, and he has cleared this mark every single time over the past five games. So there you have it. Those are my picks. Daily fantasy sports is made easy with prize picks. So make sure you go to prizepicks.com backslash RG3 and use code RG3 for a first deposit match of up to $100. Again, go to prizepicks.com backslash RG3 and use code RG3 for a first deposit match of $100. Up to $100. Don't get me wrong now. Let's go make this money, people. Let's dive into that NFL debut. Uh, Phenomenal, by the way. 238 passing yards. You threw for four touchdowns. But I really want you to describe, if you can remember the play call and the formation and everything that happened on that touchdown to DeAndre Hopkins, describe that play for me and the feeling afterwards of getting your first NFL touchdown. Yeah, I think it was, I want to say, maybe West Wright past 12 duo Z Hollow. and. It was a Z on like a hollow route, which is coming on like a 10, 12 yard runaway. We were expecting man on that, in that part of the field and um, Traylon uh, was going to be our runaway guy on that. And they ended up playing quarters. And when we get that, we have a blazer on the outside, which is, you know, like a post on the outside um, that we're really trying to key up on that quarter safety if he drives that hollow. So um, Jesse Bates was that, you know, field safety and I just was eyes on him and he'd already made his decision to come down and play the, the, the crosser. I don't know why. I'll go back and watch that game for the day I die and don't and I never understand why I pump faked as much as I did that game. He'd already made his decision if you watch the tape. I'm like, I'm faking that. And then I just huck it up to DeAndre who who gets the corner lost and runs underneath it. Um, it was like it was true Troy Aikman type pump fakes, man. Like I I even wrote in my notes, they gotta call you pump fake Willie. All right, because you pumped on that one. You pumped on the double move to D hop uh I think your third touchdown of that game. Just what do you think was going through your mind in that moment to get back to that first touchdown? 
Uh, I was, I mean, for one, it was, it, it was, it's, it's always cool when you rep a play in practice and you're like almost convinced that it's going to be against something. And then you don't right. get it versus that. And you still execute it perfectly, you know, and you, and you take advantage of the one shot that it's usually even when that happens, like safety doesn't drive it and you take the check down and you just move on. Correct. But to be able to like feel the time and like have it all happen, Deandre to, to lose the guy underneath him, like just a cool play all around. And for that to be like the first touchdown, um, I mean, I kind of just lost it. I just ran down the field. I was kind of like, what's going on? <laughs> but um, it, it was cool and gave me a lot of confidence going forward for sure. Yeah, so you, you have that touchdown. Then there's obviously the second, second touchdown you had to D-hop. The third one was the double move, um, which was I, I think was like a hammer go uh, that you had like a choice route underneath by the running back. Just yeah, we had a, that first touchdown. Pump, yeah. There you go. You pumped again. From that touchdown to the third touchdown, like what was the difference in the plays and what were you seeing on that third touchdown where you got the double move to D hop? I'm pretty sure the third one. So we were seeing, we were seeing hard, like, like Jesse did on that play, like just hard bites by their safeties all day on, on the underneath routes. And we were, th- we were thinking we were going to get quarters again to the boundary is that adjustment to that stack. Um, and yep. he, uh, they ended up clouding it and the clouds in yeah. the, the half field safety still drove it because he was playing <laughs> yeah. so tight and he drove yeah. he, and, and D hop just kind of lost him and pumped it. And I just threw it underneath and he ran underneath it. And uh, yeah, it was a good play. No, it was a great play. And so you're like, you're right. You guys were an empty formation. Uh, they're trying to disguise. And that to me is where it's like, when you get an empty more times than not defenses are going to expand and show you what they're doing. When they mm. don't, they find they put themselves in trouble, and we all know that D Hop's super silly with the routes. Uh, was that a focus of yours going into your rookie year, knowing that there might be a chance that you can play, right? Working to to win the job and and, and compete and be a best teammate you can possibly be, but building that relationship with D Hop was that was that a focal point for you once you became the starter, or did you start that as soon as you got in the building? Yeah, it really wasn't wasn't until I became a starter, you know, like. Even especially chemistry on the field, like I didn't throw him a ball. Yeah. I didn't throw him a ball <laughs> until I think I threw him one ball pregame in in a, a pre a preseason game, and then I <laughs> didn't throw him another ball until the week I, I played. So, um, yeah. Wow. And then when we when we played, it's kind of like you know you gain a little respect. You know, I get to know him a little better, and um, we uh, we are definitely like really good friends off the field too. So he's been a great guy to get to know. He's been a great locker room guy for us, uh, and obviously a hell of a player. Now, I know in my own experience of being a starter, being a backup, and being the fifth guy on the roster at the quarterback spot, I, I totally understand not being able, being able to throw a ball to a guy until you become the starter. How hard was that for you to know that your best player was a guy that you had zero on-field chemistry with, and you just had to, like that first touchdown, how did you get that type of trust to do that with a guy like Diop? Yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's a lot of credit to what he was able to do with Ryan for the first half of the season and just doing the best I could to learn from watching them and, and kind of okay. what he was good at with Ryan and kind of how, how I could learn from that there. But it was tough too, because, you know, he's someone that sees the field so well and kind of feels space and can adjust his routes. And like some, sometimes that we, you know, have him, you know, we gold him for like, we don't want him to, but like a lot of times <laughs> it works and it's like the ball should go to him. Um, but for me, that was hard for me because the second I saw him doing something that I wasn't like expecting, I'd be off of him. And we, we gotcha. were able to kind of work on that like relationship and understand like when I can hang on him for a half tick more because he's either giving him a little more something at the top of the route or taking a revolution Makes further sense. and getting to the, the, the pocket where he knows it's really going to be at. Um, so little things like that. 
Yeah, it's a guy like D Hop who we I know you know this probably it, it, it had some feelings about this in college as well with like some of your top guys. They they run the wrong route and they get the ball right, and it's like yeah. it's the crazy it's the craziest thing in the world. I've never seen anything like it. I had throws to Kendall Wright in college that I'm like, bro, you're not supposed to be over there, but you were open, so I threw it to you. <laughs> uh, <Yeah. laughs> so. We all know the the sideline situation with you and D-Hop that happened, and you already said that you would handle it differently moving forward. How how do you handle that differently? For the fan at home that doesn't understand the tempers on the sideline and how everybody's trying to win, how would you articulate to them that you could handle that differently the next time around? Uh, well, I mean, I can, I, I'm not going to say I'm never going to like raise my voice or like, you know, get, it, get a little emotional on the sideline, but... Um, just in that instance, it was a misunderstanding. We just, we got yeah. on each other for, um, I thought he just kind of went off the rails and did his own thing. And, and that would have pissed me off, but he thought, right. uh, he thought I'd given him some communication that, you know, gave him the, the go to gotcha, go do something. Gotcha. And when we figured that out, you know, it was obviously we were a little heated, but you know, things got, uh, settled and, uh, yeah, but I want guys to make sure no. that, you know, we're, we're on, we're on our shit and we're, we're doing the right things. And, um, you know, as I'm, as long as I'm preparing and, and performing is that allows me to gain that respect. And I feel like, you know, you can go out there and, and use it. Yeah. And I think you did. I think you did gain that respect. Uh, even in that moment, even though it might've been like a little tense, you know what I'm saying? Like a little uncomfortable, like as a quarterback in the NFL, there's this, this balancing act that you have, right? You have to be a strong leader. You have to give off the the image of a leader, but also the actions of a leader. And I felt like you you did that all year, even in that moment, even the funny quirk that you had about, you know, maybe I forgot I was on TV <laughs> for, mm-hmm. for, for, a, for a second. Like, I think all those things draw you closer to your teammates and they can understand, like, in that moment, you guys are just both trying to win. And it's not like you're against him or he's against you. It's really just about you guys getting on the same page to go out and be able to win a football game. So I want to commend you on that because I, I thought that the way that you handled it was perfect. And I'm sure D-Hop would probably say the same thing. You've had some crazy plays, right? You had the debut with the four touchdowns. Beautiful. You know, I, I actually really loved, uh, I, I got, it all, got it right here, watching the, that fourth touchdown pass that you threw to, to Westbrook Akine. That's back my across the field. this year. Yeah. Oh, that's Okay. Talk to me. If it's your favorite throw, you got to talk to me. What was the play call? What was going through your mind when it happened? Uh, it was the Lamar break throwback. So, I mean, it's just based off of a naked that everyone runs, and it's usually just taking the high corner. And instead of taking the high corner, he, you know, gives him a couple steps in his eyes and then breaks across his face to the post. So you roll out kind of thinking that everything's flowing that way, and then you have the one guy break across the other way. You make sure the backside corner doesn't bite down and – let him run under it. And that was just a weird kind of angle and, and depth of throw that we'd never really seen. But just we, we had some shit going on at my feet. And we kind of – Nick took that angle that he needed to to beat safety. And we just threw it across the, all across the field to, for him to run under it. So pretty cool play. No, it was a great play. And, and at one point during the year, I'm sure – I'm guessing you didn't know this. But there was like Josh Allen and like maybe like two other quarterbacks that had more – like 20 plus or 40 plus yard touchdown passes deep down the field than you did. Mm-hmm. And what do you think your prowess for throwing the deep ball? Like you threw it more frequently than most guys, but you also hit more. Why, why is it that you love the deep ball so much? 
Uh, I think it's just I practiced it a lot, and it, I think I got tagged as some an, ina- an inaccurate downfield passer in my college career, and I never really that never really sat right with me, and I always thought it was one of my strengths of my game, but um, I um, I, I just think that you know we have good receivers and good 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 plays, and I just trust the I can put the ball in the right spot uh, for the right guys at the right time. So I think like I just got a good feel for it, and I've thrown enough balls in my life to where I know that where they got to be. Yeah, it, it was a thing of beauty, to be quite honest with you. One of my coaches in college would always say to me, the only way to, to score is to try to score. <laughs> and if you're trying to throw the deep ball, you're really trying to score quickly. But if you have the only way to get better at the deep <laughs> ball, I tell people this all the time, is to actually throw the deep ball. And that means not just in practice, but also in games. So I think you, you'll continue to, to try to take those shots down the field. And it's going to be a big benefit to your offense to push you guys down the field better. But the next play we got to talk about is the fumble where uh, you were trying to throw the football and, and, and Buddy came and like knocked it out your hand. And and you remember what play I'm talking about? Yeah, it was uh, it was an empty where we had like a crosser route. We were trying to pull down. Um, I think we called it agent, but it was I was it was going to be an interception. It was I, I should have Correct. thrown the ball. I, it was it was not the right decision. And OK, I knew that kind of right away how it would have played out. Who knows? But the ball get tipped out. I can't tell if it's a, a fumble or an incomplete pass. So I, and I don't, there's no whistle. So I just followed it. And I saw a dude pick the ball up and I saw him secure it. And he did, he kind of fumbled it on his own. And as he was kind of fumbling, it, I just kind of pushed him to the side and, and, and dove on the ball. Stood up. I'm, I'm like the only one who knows. It. I'm like, it's, it's first down for us. Like change of possession. Right. Like, um, cause he caught it. It would have been a, a interception or a fumble recovery. Uh, it was recovery a fumble recovery, recovery. I believe. Yeah. The weird part for me was that you had a bunch of these like plays <laughs> throughout the year that were just like crazy plays. You had the four touchdowns in the debut. You got the fumble. Then you created a fumble and got the recovery. Boom. You guys still have the football. Um, for you in your mind, you've had the exciting plays, right? You've had the dynamic performances. What do you think it's going to take for you to be universally known as a franchise quarterback for the Tennessee Titans? Consistency. I mean, I got to show up and, and do it on a consistent basis. And, you know, we got to win more games. And that, that's really what it right. comes down to. Um, but, you know, I'm looking forward to really mastering this offense and taking it up a, another level this year and kind of seeing how we can uh, get, the, get the rest of the guys uh, and the rest of this team looking. So uh, it's nice to have an offseason of being the guy and, being able right. to kind of instill some leadership uh, as we go about, you know, our offseason stuff. Um, yep. But, you know, last year was a, a good kind of, you know, taste and I'm, I'm ready to, you know, take it to the next level. Yeah, I definitely think you're ready to take it to the next level. And when you got drafted, I, I came out and said on ESPN that I believe, you know, this is the best situation for you. Obviously, you come in there, Ryan Tannehill is a starting quarterback. He's been the starting quarterback at, at multiple organizations. You got Malik Willis there. And sometimes you can be like, I don't know, is this room going to be really that great? Because everyone's competing for that one spot. And, you know, guys' careers are on the line. They're all trying to take food off each other's plate. But it seemed like you guys worked that out really well and were very supportive of one another. Just how did Tannehill being there play a role in helping you learn and and become the franchise quarterback that you want to be. Yeah, I can't imagine anyone that's that's been in a a room that has felt like, you know, toxic like that or that had an uneasiness about it because, you know, I'm I'm extremely grateful for, you know, 
how we all handled it as as right. adults and as friends um yeah. and as teammates so you know uh ryan helped me a lot and uh, ever since i started playing he was very vocal about you know the game plan and how he felt about things and a lot of the times he'd help me kind of see it differently and in a better way that prepared me well for the game um and malik was a great help too and, and they've both been great friends of mine ever since you know i stepped in that building so uh it, it makes it a lot easier when you don't have uh know that awkward situation in the room yeah and i i say that because my my own situation in my career when i was a rookie and, and early on in washington it wasn't a great it was a great room as far as talent goes wise but it wasn't there wasn't everybody pushing in the same direction to help the starter so when i had an opportunity to go do that for lamar jackson i took you know i took pride in that because i didn't have it so i'm glad that that you were able to have that supportive environment where you guys are all competing Right. It's not like we're all over here just like trying to slouch off. You're all competing, but you all know that, hey, the, the best man's going to win. Uh, whoever execute the best is going to win, but we're all going to help each other get there. When you look at the way that your team is going to be set up moving forward, uh, Ryan looks like he's going to be going somewhere else. We don't know what's going to happen with Derrick Henry, but what was it like playing with a, a dynamic Hall of Fame, future Hall of Fame running back like Derrick Henry? It's crazy. You know, I had to remind myself that as the year went on, just like, dang, like I'm handing the ball off to the Hall of Famer. Like, um, <laughs> right. you know, right, right from the first time I met him, like it was just kind of one of my welcome to the NFL moments for sure of, of just the fact that he's on my team. And then when I actually got to step on the field and play with him a little bit during training camp, like, dang, um, you know, someone that I've been watching, you know, and, and on my fantasy team and playing Madden with for, for a while. <laughs> and, uh, uh, he was an awesome teammate and, you know, I, I hope that he sticks around and it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, how everything shakes out, but, uh, crazy, you know, obviously, uh, as a player, you get the question all the time about how things are going to go. Uh, yeah. I really don't know. And we don't um, know. It's just a hard part about things and it, it is a business and I hope that, you know, he gets what he wants. Is that, is that something that you have even had a chance to like wrap your mind around? Uh, cause I know when I came in the NFL, there was guys that I met as a rookie, go through rookie minicamp, make the 90 man roster, and then they go through the whole off season. And then I never see them ever again in my life. Yeah. Right. They get cut and they're gone. Is that something that you've been able to wrap your head around when it comes to the NFL and how business like it is, as opposed to college, when these guys are almost guaranteed to get at least four years and you grow together? Is that something that has, I don't want to say bothered you, but, but kind of caught you off guard? Yeah, definitely. I think it started during the year when, you know, we started just having some injuries and then guys are just getting shipped in from random spots on a weekly basis. And then all of a sudden they're strapping <laughs> right, it up right. on Sunday with us. Right. Um, I think a lot of guys are kind of numb to it and they're kind of just like, Oh, like, this is so-and-so is here. He just got here. But the fact that you can have, you know, such important tight relationships with people because you're, you know, sharing your, you know, blood, sweat and tears with them out in the field. And then they're, they're gone a couple of weeks later. Like it's a, uh, it's a crazy game. It's a crazy business. Yeah, it is. It really is. And you, you talked about that with the relationships with the teammates and obviously playing with Derrick Henry. If he is gone, how do you, I know you're going to have a new system, right? New coach coming in, new system on offense. How do you think that changes the dynamic of the offense without Derrick Henry being there? I think it's just, you know, you always play to your player's strengths and our, 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 your, our strength is, uh, is, you know, we don't know yet if it's going to be Derek or not. And we would, a lot of the stuff we did was because we had Derek. So, uh, you know, whoever it's going to be is, 
uh, you know, Ty J is a great player and, you know, he did a lot of different things for us. And we, I think that he's, a, you know, back to get it done on all, on all downs. Um, and he's got an exciting skill set. So I'm um, excited for him, for him to continue to develop. And I know that he made a lot of fans happy last year. And I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do uh, this year, too. Yeah, he took some screen passes from you pretty, pretty far ways. And I call him Ty J Shakespeare's. Because I mm-hmm. called a game, I called a game from at Tulane when they beat USC in their bowl game, and the man was crossing everybody up. But as you know, he's also got power. He's got good hands where he can he can make plays for you out of the backfield. And I do think that he is a, a special back. So I know it will change the dynamic just because Derek yeah, is Derek. Like, come on, you know they call him King Henry for a reason. But I am excited to see what's going to happen in the future with you guys on offense. And that brings me to. This the point of the most shocking firing of the offseason, which was Coach Mike Vrabel being fired by Tennessee Titans. I don't know if you had a chance to talk to him, but right now let's act like you did. Let's act like you didn't have a chance to talk to him before he left the building or before he went his ways uh, from the team. What would you say to Mike Vrabel about how your rookie year went and how much he helped you grow as a player? Yeah, I mean, I'd first just thank him for taking a shot on me and for, for picking me in the draft. And it was incredible getting on the phone and speaking with him uh, and telling him how hard I was going to work for him and how we talked about, you know, what we saw for each other going forward and continuing to develop the relationship with him. I always felt like I was really comfortable with him and you know, I could share anything with him. And uh, he's just a great coach that, you know, we all rallied around. And I know that uh, our ownership, you know, we, we see that going forward is, is, is best to go in a different direction. And, I'm, I'm, you know, 100% behind like what where the organization decides to take things, but it was tough, and I, I wish him the best going forward. But he, he really did uh, help me a lot, and uh, it was so cool for me too playing for a, a player that I looked up to as a kid, being a Patriots right, fan. Right. So that was just one other little kind of like emotional thing I had with him, which was uh, which was cool. But yeah, I was gonna have love for Braves, and I uh, wish him the best. Nah, if you had to say if there was like the one thing that you learned from him the most in this one year that you had with him. Uh, what would you say that is? What was the one thing you learned from coach Vrabel that you'll carry with you forever? I think just like being yourself, being a dude, being, being a guy that other people want to be around. Um, he's always, you know, he was that guy for the Patriots. And I think he, he knows what that looks like and, and how it can look like in different forms. And he always right. just, you know, wanted me to make sure that I was true to myself and that I was somebody that, uh, I could be, you know, myself around and that other people enjoy being around. So now you have Brian Callahan coming in uh, from the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, you know, years and years of experience. Uh, he, he knows that weapons are a quarterback's best friend. You know, there's all these sayings, right? Running game is a quarterback's best friend. Defense is a quarterback's best friend. But uh, I think I heard him recently talk about how if, it, if everything is even and it's the old lineman or a wide receiver, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the guy that can score touchdowns. So what are you most excited about? with your new coach coming in and obviously the new offensive coordinator as well. What are you most excited about? Uh, I think it's hopefully it would have, you know, with whatever offense it, I was, I would have ran, it would have been the same way just because I feel like maybe I've gained, I've earned a little bit more trust, but I'm looking right. forward to getting the ball in the air more. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to throwing okay. it more on earlier downs. I'm looking forward to, you know, taking and learning and, and taking just more completions and, and, and really learning to master the pass game because, you know, he's been able to do that and, and teach it and, and see so many guys do it. And just, um, I'm really hope that, you know, I could, I could be another one of those guys for him. And I know that I have what it takes. So I just got to put the pieces together. No, that's, that's, that's awesome to hear that. And your new offensive coordinator, Nick Holtz, he had a guy that's a free agent wideout, right? Right mm-hmm. now, 
and then Calvin Ridley. So Nick understands like how dynamic a guy like Calvin Ridley is and, and how he can add to the passing game. And I'm sure there might be some belief that maybe, just maybe, Calvin Ridley would come want to come and, and follow the guy that, that called plays for him to be a 1,000-yard receiver last year. What would your pitch be for Calvin Ridley to come to the Tennessee Titans? Uh, yeah, no, I mean, he's definitely an awesome player, and I, I got to see it <laughs> firsthand, him torch us a couple times. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, we definitely are – it would be cool to have someone of, of his uh, caliber out there um, playing. And I'm sure that he's comfortable with Holtz, and, and he obviously had his best year, you know, with him last year. And um, it, it'd be cool to definitely play with him. And you know, who knows, maybe – link up in the offseason, get some balls in the air and see what we can make happen. But it's, it's not yeah. me to make the decision. Um, I understand. I, I'm not, I, I don't really have any, I don't really have any pull, <laughs> but I don't, I don't care if I'm never, never have a shot of playing with them. I'd still like to throw them some balls. So that'd be fun. There you go. Okay. So on that note, I want to ask you this question of if there was a guy from the past, like any time in NFL history that you wanted to play with, who would you say that guy would be? Randy Who you'd Moss. want, I guess. Oh my goodness! Yeah, that's easy. <laughs> now we talking, we talking Patriots, Randy Moss, or Vikings, Randy Moss. Uh, I'm going Vikings just because obviously you got to go with the the youth and with the uh, a little bit of a spryness. But uh, he torched, you know, some teams for my Patriots growing up, I and mean, that was cool watching yeah. him play. And he was so good even through those years. And I think he's the most talented receiver of all time. Ooh, okay, Randy. He, listen, I love I love a guy who who knows his history, right? It can show appreciation to the greats and not disrespect them, uh, like some of these guys are doing to Cam Newton. But that's awesome. And then looking forward, guys that are in college, maybe some guys you know, who is the one that you would want to play with in the future? Mm, I think Marvin Harrison Jr. is exciting to watch in, in college. So he's an exciting player. And uh, okay, okay. I don't know if we're going to, you know, end up going or having a shot to take him, but he's been a guy, one of the few guys over the last couple of years that I've seen from the outside looking in uh, that I've been impressed with. What do you think Marvin Harrison Jr. does best that makes it the job easier for the quarterback? Uh, he catches everything. I mean, everything is, <laughs> it looks easy for him. Like, it doesn't matter where the ball is. Like, um, he's one of those guys that you just got the sureness of if the ball's in the area. He's going to, he's going to come down with it. No doubt about it. I, uh, he's a guy that can play inside, outside, right? And usually guys that are his height, you know, size and speed don't have the control to play on the inside. You know, they're usually, I don't want to say a one-trick pony, but, you know, they're vertical guys. They can run the post. They can run the the bang eight. They can run the go ball. But he can run the entire route tree. That's what I've mm -hmm. been most impressed by. And, you know, it could be because his dad could run the entire route tree too. And, he's, and it's in his, it's in his uh, pedigree. Ohio State's just been ridiculous this offseason, like bringing in all types of dudes, portal, NIL money, whatever it may be. You were a guy that started off at Penn State, transferred to Kentucky. I wanted to ask you, what is your feeling about the transfer portal in college football? Because you're a guy that benefited from it, right? Being selected 30, you know, 33rd overall was in large part because you went to Kentucky and were able to showcase your skills. What what is your thought process on the transfer portal in college football and the state of college football right now? Yeah, I'm always um, I'm always going to be a supporter of it. Um, you know, seeing firsthand what it can do for for you and your family. So, um, if anyone isn't comfortable, you know, in their current situation, I think as a college 
you know, person, as an 18 year old, as a, as a man, you, you're able to make a, you can make a decision on your own and, and you can make an educated decision as to what's best for you and your future. And if, if, if you're okay with, you know, not graduating and just having some transfer credit and still wanting to grind out and making that a priority for you, then that's one thing. But, um, for me, I was like right before it even became a thing. I thought you had to be like an immediate graduate. So I, I, I grinded to get that degree before I, I went. So, I mean, I think it, it, it's, it's never been a question for me as to like if people should be able to, to transfer however they please since coaches pretty much do it on their own. So yeah, I mean that and the, the state of college athletics too, just NIL, like I feel like I, I had like a year of it. Maybe I didn't really get the same uh, benefits that I'm seeing a lot of people get now, but it's so great that, um, you know, we're finally going in the right direction. And uh, even with the new football game that came out, of course, I missed the one time period or one of the generations of college football players that weren't able to, yeah, to play with themselves yeah. in the game. Uh, That's you know, true. You didn't get to play with themselves. No doubt. Athlete. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> um, it's, it's, been, uh, it's been interesting to see how it all kind of plays out throughout the college landscape. Yeah, I mean, talk about that. You know, I was honored. I was honored to be on the cover with Barry Sanders, and then the last actual game was Denard Robinson, and there's just been a there's oh, a big yeah. gap there, right? There's a huge gap of of college kids not being able to play the game. I feel like it's it's not a cult following NCAA football, which is now just college football, but I do believe it was like a rite of passage, you mm-hmm. know. You get the you get to play the game growing up. You win Heisman's, you win all these awards, and then you go live it. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, this is incredible. When you look at the, the college game now, as far as the video game, like what are you most concerned about or what are you most excited about as well? Yeah, I think that you were the last one I owned though. So maybe that's what I was thinking. I still got the Wii, <laughs> I think I, I still got the Wii disc somewhere in the attic. Um, oh, he just made me feel old. No. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's like you look at that, you look at that deal they just got. I think every athlete got 600 bucks, right? Um, yep. Sure. Like that's, that's cool. That's cool and all. Like, a lot of money for some people, but like, that's definitely not, it, you know, it doesn't equate necessarily people might argue to how much certain players might or should be making in that game. And um, there's a bunch of arguments as to what, how they could settle things like that. But, um, you know, I've been, you know, fortunate enough to be connected with, you know, someone, my buddy Jim, who has a vision on it and pretty much trying to get these athletes to unionize together um, with this company, athletes.org. So getting able to, you know, get student athletes together and get teams, um, you know, committed to, to join the cause and um, be a part of this and, and get together and hopefully one day vote on certain issues that put them in better positions to make more money and get them up more opportunities through, through everything with NIL. Now you piqued my interest. Um, what's, what's the goal? It, like, do you, I don't think $600 is enough. Unfortunately, there's a lot of college athletes, a lot of college football players. So it's a little different. Whereas in the NFL, I think the check left off at least my last year it was twenty five thousand. So you're talking about a, a lot less NFL football players, but with college, what do you think the goal is working with this organization when it comes to NIL and when it comes to the game? Is it to just increase the amount of money every guy every guy's getting paid for the game, or what is the goal? That along with you know being able to have a seat at the table and really speak up on different issues yep. and kind of stand up yep. um, and communicate with the NCAA on different things like the transfer portal, like medical eligibilities, um, like being paid directly by your school or the legality behind that. Um, And uh, it just, you know, if there's enough members and and it becomes big enough, uh, it it could serve as something like the NFLPA does for the NFL, which 
obviously does some good things for the league and, and for its players and its members. No, that's that's awesome. I'm I'm all about that. I believe that the student athletes in general deserve a seat at the table. You know, I understand that football and I, I think you understand this, that football really funds most of the other sports at these colleges. But I do think all student athletes should have a seat at that table and share in the TV revenue that they're getting from these big networks. Um, what's your what's your feeling about how college athletes, student athletes, I feel like they've been taken advantage of for, for long periods of time and not had an opportunity to really earn money off their name, image and likeness, whereas everyone else is earning billions off of their name, image and likeness. Yeah, it's uh it sucks that it took this long to get to this spot, but you really can't focus on the past. Like, I mean, um, you know, people like you and, and, and other former college athletes, definitely a little butt hurt just about it all. And not being able to, uh, you know, capitalize. That's a good term. That's a good, I'll take but, that. I'll take that. That's hey, a good like, term. What yeah. are you going to do? Like, they're not going to, you know, pay you for the, the money that you missed out on. Um, but at least things are going in the right direction. And all we can do is, as you know, former college athletes is, is, is help out and, and use our influence and our, our viewpoints on things and our expertise in these topics to, to help the student athletes and help sports in general going forward. Yeah. And I appreciate you speaking to that as well, because when you have a guy like yourself, who's a starting quarterback in the NFL, experienced life in college, like with and without the portal and with and without NIL, it gives a certain perspective that I think people need to listen to and understand where we're coming from. It's not about college athletes or student athletes becoming professional athletes. It's about them being able to share in the in and reap the benefits of all the sacrifices that they have made and putting their bodies on the line. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm super passionate about the topic. So I'm glad you I'm glad you brought it up. And uh, it's, it's one of those things for me that uh, if college coaches can do these things and they can go wherever they want to go. And they can make millions upon millions upon millions off of the student athletes. I don't understand why anybody would be upset with the student athletes trying to fight for the same freedoms to, you know, kind of market themselves and be able to go to the best place for them. Mm -hmm. Now, take me down. I always feel like there's more to the story with some of these things that happen in life. All right. So right now we got the combine going on for these guys that are coming into the draft. Do you have any funny combine stories or you know, questions that you were asked that you were like, yo, that was way out there. I don't know why they asked that. You don't got to mention the team, but did you have any funny, any funny combine stories? Yeah. I, I, I wish I had like more um, funny stories. I had one, there was one coach who kind of like, it was my first one too. So I was like kind of thrown off but from what I talked <laughs> to. It was, it was a strategy and he, he threw a bunch of different kind of interesting things out of people. Um, and he was just like, speaking of like NIL, he was like, hammering me on like nil and like making money and like he found out i was a, a finance major and he's like why didn't you manage your own money because i like like i just want to do it for myself he's like you're not smart enough to do it yourself like yeah i was like all right dude like let's talk ball uh, but, but uh um, that was funny and it's just it, it is cool to see the different techniques and going into the different rooms and seeing the different vibes and feeling out kind of uh what people are interested in hearing about you and learning about you I always like to ask guys this because in my own combine experience, I didn't really have like a question that was like out there, but I did get, I got interviewed by Jim Harbaugh and this nice. is when he was, when he was with the 49ers. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now you might not know this, but Harbaugh recruited me out of high school to go to Stanford, me and Andrew Luck. 
<laughs> Andrew Luck was already committed and he was still trying to get me to go to Stanford. Huh. And I turned him down. Obviously, I decided to go to Baylor. Rest is history. We win the Heisman. Andrew becomes the first pick. I'm the second pick. Everybody wins, right? Or so I thought. We get to the combine and he schedules a meeting with me, like an official meeting, meeting all the coaches, the GM, everybody. And they're all in the bill. They're all in this room when I walk into the room. And you know how small these rooms are. At least I think they're still small. Are they still small? Yeah. Yeah. So small room. I walk in all these people. There's about like 15 people in the room. And he didn't ask me one football question. Not one. He spent the entire 15 minutes of the interview asking me why I didn't go to Stanford. <laughs> so instead of breaking down on the, on the board and being able to write plays and be able to talk to him about my football knowledge, he spent the entire 15 minutes basically exercising a grudge that he had against me because I didn't commit to him and go to Stanford and play. And I thought that that was interesting. I vividly remember getting a 3 a.m. wake-up call to go do a drug test. Did, oh, have, they, have they changed that? Well, I actually did it. Um, it was the day after um, the day after our last day of testing. So it was like the last okay. thing we had to do. So that was nice. And uh, me and my buddies I trained with, uh, it was me, uh, Clayton, Dorian, um, and, and Max, and a couple other dudes, I think. We went out for like beers after uh, we did our last <laughs> testing. And it's so funny because all the bars in Indy, it's like each bar, um, from what I've heard too, it's like, each different position group has like their own bar where they, all the coaches and everybody, I mean, so like we're in there with all the other coaches and stuff and <laughs> celebrating and we get back at whatever it was like 1130 midnight. And I'm like, I don't want to wait in line in this drug test line tomorrow morning. So I'm, I got up like a half hour before the first one. I made sure to be the first one in line. I didn't see anybody behind me. I went okay. to the bathroom and, and went right back to bed for a little bit when I, when I got back in bed. <laughs> Yeah, some some of those drug test times are outrageous, but I gotta whoop, 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 roll roll back a little bit. Did, did you just you said you went out and like got some beers with the with the fellas, right? That's yeah. normal. And were you like knocking back beers with the coaches too? Because you said the coaches were out there kind of doing their thing as well, or or no? No, it was it was awkward and just funny at the time. We didn't realize <laughs> that, uh, and we just went out for some casuals. But um, yeah, we weren't going ham by any means. Like we weren't shots down the coach's throats or nothing for you i i'm a guy that i believe i believe in love do you believe in love will i do okay so i've got the love of my life my wife back here i'm a girl dad of four she's an amazing mom amazing person for you like do you have do you have a celebrity crush uh yeah i mean it changes from day to day but I'd say Sofia Vergara is my celebrity crush. Really? Yeah, she's no. I mean, that's just you know. I think I started watching Modern Family when I was like a little younger, and <laughs> she just uh, you know always stayed close to my heart. So Sofia, if you're watching, it is uh you know it's a pleasure to to get through to you. I think she's recently single. I'm not sure. I'll, I'll make sure we have a fact check on that. But that is certainly something that we want to make happen for you. Uh, you know, we're, we're all about love around here. <laughs> we're all. <laughs> Well, about love. So you and Sophia Vergara, that would be an incredible, incredible match. Are you are you dating? Because we just want to make sure we're not, you know, no. stepping on any toes here. No. OK, I mean, so you, I would just love to say say hello. I'm, I don't know if we're looking to take it any further, but not going to no, say that'd be great. celebrity crushes. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me that wouldn't be a great hello. You getting a chance would, to talk to Sophia would, Vergara. I mean, shoot, that'd be awesome. <laughs> that would be absolutely incredible for you. 
I know, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm very confident in my, in, in my own manhood. So I can, you know, compliment a guy. Sometimes it looks like you do buys and tries in a, in a set of dips before you go out on the football field. You're absolutely jacked. Okay. Thank you. Thank ladies, you. Lo- ladies love you. What would you <laughs> say your best relationship advice would be for the people out there uh, with all your dating experience? I don't know how much experience you have, but, you know, I'm sure your DMs are blowing up. I think, um, I think find someone that makes you better. Find someone that challenges you and makes you mm. better and um, not just someone that you want to hold, have around to be convenient. You know, I'm not, I wouldn't give anyone, you know, the time of day or, or spending any extended time with them if I didn't feel like they were adding to my life in a, in a positive way, which wow. might seem easy, but you know, you want to make sure you can grow alongside somebody. I can just see all the hearts of women around the country just beating out of their chest right now, getting that advice <laughs> from you, my guy, from the draft moment to the debut, everything was just, it felt like it was meant to be. And that's the question I want to ask you as we sign this bad boy off. That moment on the field, in the stands with your family, after the debut game, it just felt so right. What was that moment like with your family celebrating you really just not even saying, hey, I'm here, but like kicking down the door of I'm the starter now? Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, it wasn't just that. It was just proving everybody wrong from all the kind of shit we had to face from the moment of draft night up until that moment. And it, it didn't end with me. It ended with my family and my sisters, you know, and, and, and just stupid little like pokes and prods at them for no reason. Uh, and it, it was just awesome. I mean, we were all just kind of emptied out our emotions at that point. Um, and then I'm getting dragged to get off the field by our security guard. <laughs> and I was ready to sign this kid's jersey. And right. I didn't end up signing it because I couldn't spend more than a little bit of t- more than time up there because I was the only one left to get back in the locker room. And that's, oh, of course, man. I see shit like, oh, you should have signed the kid's jersey. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But like, I, uh, and I always try to get the kids when I can, but I just didn't only when it's appropriate. And I didn't feel like it was appropriate at that time. But I'm sorry for whoever that was. That was that looking back was not the best move. You know what? Not only are we going to get uh, Sofia Vergara to say hi to you, we're also going to try to find that kid. We got to find that kid so you can sign that jersey for him because I don't want that moment that you had. Obviously, it's not going to be ruined because it was such a special moment. I just thought, well, that was like, that's what football is all about. Mm -hmm. I felt like it was a full circle moment for you. Everyone in that circle, any of them that had been at the draft to see that and understand what you went through emotionally on that night to the debut game and the way you played. I mean, it Mm -hmm. felt like a like a Disney movie. That's certainly what you deserve, my brother. And it's definitely what your family deserves as well. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me. This has been awesome. Appreciate you, brother. All right, people, that's a wrap for episode 24 of RG3. And the ones want to give a huge shout out to our main man, Will Levis, for coming on the show, having a good time, dropping some dimes just like he does on the football field. And I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Now, remember, you got to listen and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Make sure you follow us on social media at RG3 and the one. So when we post those daily clips, you up to date and you know where they're coming from and be ready every single Thursday for the new episodes that are going to be coming out. Now, I got to say it. RG3 and the ones is a wave sports and entertainment original presented by prize picks and also in partnership with Whispering Oaks Productions. But this show would not be possible without our producer, Joanna. Thank you for all the hard work you put in. And of course, our social media extravenaire, 
Andrew doing his thing, making sure we have a community that's connected and tight as we continue to try to go and take over the world. Now, you guys know I like to leave you with something before we go. So, guys, understand that you got to be yourself all the time. God did not create you to try to be like somebody else. Be that person that you are and know that God's got your back. Because every single day that you wake up and you can look in the mirror and know the person that you're presenting to the world, you'll always come out with a better result. Be yourself and never back down. Appreciate you guys. We'll see y'all next week. Peace.